All right, the latest on COVID-19 province-wide, 465 new cases in the last day. So our active case count now stands at 4,331. 329 people in hospital, 70 in intensive care. Uh, there's also 6,800 plus people under active public health monitoring as a result of identified exposure to known cases. All right, so 465 new cases province-wide. Let's break that down by health region. 83 new cases of COVID-19 in the Vancouver Coastal Health Region, 262 in the Fraser Health Region, 21 in the Island Health Region, 32 in the Northern Health Region, 6 new cases in people who reside outside of Canada, and in the Interior Health Region, we saw 61 new cases in the past day. All right, and when it comes to uh, vaccines being administered, 92,369 doses have been administered so far in the province. And the sad total for the day is of always, of course, when we're looking at those who have lost their lives to the virus, 12 people died as a result of COVID-19 in the last day. So that brings the death toll in the province to 1,090. Uh, still seeing those death numbers be far too high. Of course, one is too many, uh, but we've been in double digits pretty regularly for the last little while. Okay, so that is sort of the latest when it comes to, like I said, the raw numbers of the virus province-wide. But what about right here in the Kamloops area? Well, I had a chance to speak with the medical health officer for our health district, Dr. Carol Fenton, this afternoon to find out. All right, Dr. Fenton, well, thank you so much for, for taking the time to speak with me here today. I really do appreciate it. And, and I wanted to start uh, by asking you about the ongoing outbreak of COVID-19 here at the Brocklehurst Gemstone Long-Term Care Home. Um, Interior Health now confirming one person has died and the outbreak has grown to 20 cases, which includes 16 residents. Um, I guess I just got to ask what your overall concern is, uh, you know, in regards to seeing this, this really our first big outbreak at a long-term care home in Kamloops. You know, my main concern is, is the same for every long-term care outbreak is that, you know, this is our most vulnerable group to COVID is our, our elderly population. And so, um, as you can see, um, you know, people in that age group are, are much more uh, likely to get sick and to die from the infection. So we've been working as hard as we can throughout this pandemic to keep the infection out of the long-term care homes, but uh, in the event that we have an outbreak, and you're right, this is our first major outbreak in Kamloops so far, we activate our response system, and so we um, implement extra measures. We do an investigation, and we have meetings with the facility every day to make sure that we're doing the best we can to control this. Is there anything in particular about Brocklehurst, because I'm not overly familiar with the with what it looks like inside there, that maybe makes us more at risk? I was looking at some of the information I saw, you know, there's 130 beds, including 126 private rooms. So I imagine there is a, a good availability or, or good ability, excuse me, to actually spread residents out, not keeping them in very close quarters. Um, is, is that the case? Is there any major concern specifically related to the, the, the way the facility is laid out? Uh, you mentioned that they, you know, they have a lot of private rooms in this facility, which is actually, uh, a, like you, you mentioned, a, a really good benefit. So it's less dangerous than some of our facilities with common rooms. Um, but whenever an outbreak uh, is suspected or declared, we do send in our environmental health officers to have a look at the facility and see if there are any particular vulnerable, vulnerable points that we need to uh, improve or, or, or act on to mitigate uh, the situation. So uh, every facility is different and has different strengths and weaknesses, and we have to work with that. Okay, so nothing that you've seen that's really been clearly identified, though, specific to, to Brocklehurst at this point? No. Okay, that's good to, good to hear. Um, I was curious, do you know if uh, vaccination efforts have started in this facility yet? 
Uh, yes, they should have. Uh, we're on track to vaccinate all of our long-term care residents by tomorrow in IH. So, um, I'm, yes, I, in fact, I believe they received vaccination on Saturday or Friday. Okay, perfect. No, that's really, really yes. good to hear. So, uh, you know, that's what, 10 to 14 days before it gets really um, effective, right, at, at uh, preventing COVID-19. So hopefully with that yes. being the case, you know, in a week's time, we, we should be seeing this this particular instance. Hopefully, you know, in the coming days, things get better in terms of numbers. But for sure, based on the vaccine uh, efforts being completed rather soon, um, we, hopefully we can mitigate the, the concern here pretty pretty quickly. Yes, exactly. So we'll, we'll continue to follow it very closely. We do follow uh, um, COVID-19 outbreaks for two incubation periods, so 28 days after the onset of the most recent case to make sure that we're not missing anything. So we'll, we'll continue to follow closely, but hopefully uh, we won't see any cases after that. Awesome. No, that's really good to hear. Um, you said that residents should be completed their vaccinations by tomorrow. Is that the same for um, long-term care or workers as well, or is maybe there a little bit of a, a lag behind there? Actually, the workers went first. Oh, okay. So the workers okay. should be done, or the vast majority of them, and then uh, the residents were second. So by Wednesday, hopefully, we should have all of our long-term care populations covered off. Uh, and then we are continuing to deliver vaccine to the other groups in that first wave. Perfect. That's that's awesome. And that's obviously all the, the initial shot, right? And then they'll get that booster shot in, uh, well, hopefully within five weeks, I suppose. Yes. Perfect. Um, I think that's all I had on that particular instance and, and really in relation to vaccines too, you covered off a lot of the things that I was wondering what was going on, especially yesterday we heard from Alberta saying that they were done their uh, vaccination efforts in long-term care across the province. So I was curious how far behind we are, but uh, obviously not very far behind at all. So really happy to hear that. I did want to ask you about school exposures while I have you because we have had seven school exposure events in the Kamloops-Thompson School District since school got back underway. Um, yeah. Do you believe this is sort of just a, a post- holiday break trend that will kind of slow in the coming days and weeks? I mean, having seven uh, exposure events is basically, I think it's more than what we actually saw during the initial four months of the school year. Um, I imagine this is almost just like kind of a, a blip based on the fact that we did have that two-week break. So it's hard to explain, uh, you know, exactly why uh, our cases have gone up since the holidays. You know, there are a number of, of possible explanations. Um, but the, the, the frequency with which that we see these school exposures uh, tracks almost exactly with the, you know, the rate uh, of infection that we see in the community. So what's happening is the, the infection spreads in the community and then a family gets the infection and then those children go to school uh, and then when they're, when they're tested positive, we have to do the investigation and that involves making sure that everyone at school is safe. So um, the increase at school, in school exposures is directly correlated to the increase in the community. So they're all together and I'm hoping that you're right. I'm hoping that it was just, you know, a result of, of, of events that happened over the holiday and that those numbers will all um, go steadily downwards. But we need everyone to do their part in order for that to happen. Uh, yeah, and I guess just I, I always kind of like to get whoever is speaking to the issues in schools just to, to kind of give their thoughts. Uh, you know, I always kind of say, you know, we see exposure events, which are unfortunate that they happen, but we really aren't seeing a whole lot of transmission in schools. In fact, I don't think we've really seen much at all in the way of transmission, specifically in the Kamloops-Thompson area in the school setting. Um, so I guess just, you know, do you have a message to parents out there who maybe are a little bit worried about these uh, instances as they pop up and, and, you know, they shouldn't have too much concern about sending their kids to school? 
Yeah, I mean, I think it's really reasonable to be worried because, you know, we're living in a pandemic that's quite, you know, normal and expected. But, you know, the school boards and the schools themselves are working closely with ourselves to make sure that their safety plans are in place. Um, you know, they ask any questions, um, you know, we're, we make ourselves available to them. And, you know, we wouldn't continue to recommend attendance in school if we didn't think it was a safe thing to do. So, um, you know, it's very important for each family to decide, you know, what level of confidence they have and, and make sure that they're um, understanding all of the, the measures that each school has in place to keep um, their students safe. But uh, I would... Uh, if I had if I had children, I would send them to school because it's really important. Perfect. Yeah, that's a good message and a good reminder for anyone out there who is who is worried about this. And you know, the worry obviously, you know, you can't blame anyone for that. But important to reiterate the message that yes, yeah, school is still a safe place to be, uh, all things considered. I think that's yeah. pretty much all I have for you at this point, Dr. Fenton. I guess just any message to the broader community about you know making sure they're continuing to do their part. Obviously, we're all excited to get vaccines in our arms and be able to kind of move back to some form of normalcy. But uh, until that happens, obviously, we need to continue to take those precautions. Exactly. So it's I mean it's it's just as important now uh, as it has been ever to do everything we can to get those rates down in our community. Um, the the extra benefit now is that, you know, the calculation for herd immunity includes the, the transmission rate in the community. So the lower that that transmission rate is, the fewer people we need to vaccinate in order to stop the spread entirely. So the more that everyone can do, the faster we'll get back to our normal lives. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for the time, as always, Dr. Fenton. Really appreciate this, and uh, hopefully we'll catch up soon. Great. Thanks for having me.